The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, here's the good news. Your Philadelphia Eagles came out and won a football game. Offense looked crisp, even though it wasn't the starting quarterback, and they got a win over the Jets. There was no way they were going to lose two straight games on the road at MetLife Stadium. But if it were only that simple and that easy to break a Philadelphia Eagles game down, we appreciate you hanging with us on the BGN Radio Instant Reaction Show Myself, Jess, Rachel, the three of us here with you as well. Hit that thumbs up button. Make sure you're subscribed and leave us whatever comment you like here on the chat because I'm sure there are going to be a bunch. We went from anywhere from a quarterback controversy in the first half to cut Rager I saw trending in the first half to just thank goodness this thing is finally over and the Eagles can hit the bye week on a positive note. It really is, I think, a little more complicated than it was on the box score as we see this end game. And the first thing I will say across the board, and Jess is here as well, we have a lot to talk about from a bunch of different angles, but I know somebody is going to be unable to help themselves. I know that somebody, unfortunately, with a platform, whoever that somebody may be, is going to be unable to keep themselves down like an adult, and they're going to have to revert back to a child and push some stupid nonsense about a quarterback controversy in this city and everything else moving forward. Just my goodness, it was the Jets. If you were out there, me, Rachelle, throwing the football, and you, me, or Rachelle didn't have 300 yards and three TDs, then I would say it's a problem with you, me, or Rachelle. Not the quarterback, not the system, not the offense. Yes, they get a win. They did what they were supposed to do, but but you know it's coming. You know it's coming, don't you? Oh, yeah, and that's just it. They did what they were supposed to do. And we talked about this last week. You know, if you look at what the, the the New York Giants did today, and we talked about this last week, and I thought this was a really interesting point that you posed this question talking about, you know, did the Eagles defense play well or are the Giants a 10 to 17 point offense? And, and that's just what they are. It doesn't matter who's playing defense against them. That's what they are. And when you look at the Jets, and the way that the defense played against the Jets in the first half especially, you, you see the answer to that question in that are, 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 is the Eagles defense playing better or is the Eagles defense, you know, a, a or is the Jets offense a, you know, 10 to 18 point kind of offense? So that's what you're looking at in terms of, you know, yeah, they did their job, but 
there were still also things that we were beating our head against a wall in the first half. Unfortunately, it's not one to sit here and say they figured it out. Gardner Minshew's the new quarterback. This is what they're doing. This is the team. Here we go. This is a good football team now. That's not what this game was. They did what they were supposed to do against a bad football team. You're exactly right. It doesn't matter who was out there playing quarterback. You, me, anybody, my grandmother. If we didn't have 300 yards and three touchdowns, it would be a problem with us. You are 100% correct. That is a bad football team. Brutal. Brutal. And and look, I I think... As we've seen before, that Lions game jumps out. Speaking of Detroit, I'm going to do my best to hold my composure because that killed me, just what just happened right now with that Detroit game. But that's neither here nor there. So speaking of Eagles in that last wild card spot, though, the Vikings losing put the Eagles in that last wild card spot. You're right. So I'm I'm a little balanced right now. Who cares about my wallet? Who cares about that? The Eagles aren't a wild card spot. That's more important. You're right. I stand corrected. My selfishness should take a backseat on this program. Absolutely. I will say though, as far as as bad as it was, I just I didn't understand. And here's the thing: I don't want to start on a negative, right? I think we should focus on some positive stuff, which was Gardner Minshew. And look, the three of us, you and me, when Rachelle pops in, I think the community that we have here as well, we can handle this like dare I say adults. And I say dare I say because it's me involved in this conversation. So I think we can all handle this like adults and recognize what this offense did, how well it moved the football with Gardner Minshew without making some big long-lasting statement about moving forward. But it was pretty refreshing to see them not change up the production level. And, yeah, they're going to throw a little more than they'll run with Minshew. But, yeah, the, the Jets is shitty and as awful and as bad as they are, Just It still was nice and refreshing to see that there wasn't any hiccup or, or hitch, whatever it may be, like bump in the road with the offense. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I think, you know, one of the things that we've talked about with, with Jalen Hurts is – putting him in that 20 to 25 pass range and then leaning on the run game. And if you look at the breakdown of today, that is exactly what the Eagles still did today. Gardner Minshew threw the ball 25 times and they ran the ball 41 times. So the difference there is, you know, the quarterback was not the leading rusher today. Gardner Minshew had four rushes for 11 yards. You have Jalen Hurts in there and, you know, that's a little bit different. But in terms of the philosophy and the balance, you know, it was still pretty much the same. And unfortunately, especially after the game he had last week, I would have really liked to see Jalen Hurts play today. Obviously not, you know, on a on a bad ankle where that could be used against him or, you know, not get healthy, go you know out of the bye when they actually need to you know really make a push because they are in playoff contention at this point. But it would have been. Nice, I think, to see how he responded, especially against a team like the Jets, because the game plan was ultimately the same. It was just the the run distribution from running back to quarterback was was the the difference there. He he wasn't, you know, throwing the ball between 30 and 40 times. It was still, you know, 25 under 300 yards, two touchdowns. He got sacked twice. You know, I think it was he he played he played the game that you you need your backup quarterback to come in and play. It was yep. it was great to see the offense just go in. I do still have my concerns with Nick Sirianni's decision making at times. It really it I, I just think that sometimes when it comes down to it, 
the 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 decisions he makes are are questionable here and there. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Without any large hiccups in the offense today, just kind of moved the ball up and down the field, scored, and we didn't have to worry about that end of the ball. It was just it was nice to take a week off. <laughs> yeah, before we actually take a week off, it's nice yeah. to do that. By all means, uh, here's the thing with the offense, and it, it's a little complicated, I, I think, as we're unpacking what happened today. But the offense itself, and this is not a knock. I don't want people, oh, you hate on their Syria. No, no, no. It's not a knock. But I think what happened is we started to look at this offense move heavier towards the run, and people had the assumption that they were reducing the complexity, if you will, to spare that phrase of dumbing it down, but really reducing the complexity of it for Hertz. I think as we've seen in hindsight now with the benefit of this game, Jess, I think Nick Sirianni is benefiting exponentially from this offense reducing its complexity because guys are out there making plays. And uh, David G to the Eagles have the best O-line in the league. They're simply putting body on body. This is a theme we've been talking about. It's been recurring each and every week. There's no exotic play calling with the offensive lineman pulling half of the line one way or misdirection, things along those lines. It's just put the ball in the hands of a playmaker. Put your five, maybe even another one if you bring a tight end in, six guys on the other defense, and just open up holes. And I think the, the passing game today represented that as well, where it was just – Get Devontae Smith in space. Use Quez Watkins' speed. And my goodness, thank you, thank you, whoever was in decision there to get Dallas Goddard back involved in this game plan as he was missing in action last week. Yeah, six catches for 105 yards and two touchdowns. And that was all in the first quarter. I don't think he touched the ball again after the first quarter. I, I mean, <laughs> He didn't have to. <laughs> no, he didn't need to. And I think, you know, that's that's the thing. Something that, you know, Sam and I talked about this week on both of our episodes was you know, going forward, I don't really, it's not rocket science. The only people aside from Jason Kelsey, God, I'm hoping he's okay. Jason Kelsey and whoever is starting at quarterback that should be touching the ball is Miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith. Sprinkle in some, some Quez Watkins here and there, maybe. Other than that, not even worth it. Don't even, not even worth it. Not even worth the target. But other, than, but there's no reason to do anything else otherwise. And especially if you're setting that up with the run game, the way that they're playing, you don't need anything else. Like it's no. not super complex. And that's finally, I think, what we're starting to see from Nick Sirianni. And I agree. I have my gripes with him, but ultimately everyone has benefited from that being the direction that they have started to go towards. Right. And I think this is a huge confidence boost for a team who, look, I don't know what the ceiling is. I don't think it's right right now, at least to dive into this week by week rest of the schedule. I did see on the broadcast, they don't have to hop on a plane for the rest of the year, which is nice. Mm -hmm. But the ceiling, I think, forget a game win loss. I just think if you can look at this more of a metaphorical ceiling as far as what you're building for, as far as confidence, as far as who you have on your team, it's rising. And, and I think that ceiling is great. You know, Bo 316, Dickerson pick is working out. He had his first holding call all year, clearly mauling on that offensive line. You mentioned Jason Kelsey. That's going to be a big question mark moving forward. If you could just exhale and say, okay, Let's put Dickerson in and see what we got, as opposed to like holding your breath with an Andre Dillard free this year. It was just like, oh shit, you know, yep. it's a sieve now in the offensive line. I, I think things are working in the right direction, 
where we didn't see, like, look at the other side of the field today. We didn't see the head, like Robert Sala and that offense, as good as they looked at times against this Eagles defense, and we'll talk about that separately, Jess, but you could just feel the dysfunction. Like it was palpable through your screen about just how off at times that offense was, or just the team was. That's gone. We felt like that in the beginning of the season, I think, for a couple of weeks after the Atlanta game. That's gone now. That feeling has been removed at least on offense. <laughs> right. And I think, you know, something that really gave it away was, you know, I'm all for a coach kind of being calm, cool and collected and then like totally losing their shit in the right moment. And, you know, going for like, you know, sometimes you just see like a very like calm together NBA coach and you're there, you see the moment in their head flip where they go, I'm going to get it. Now is my time to get this technical. Right. Like I have yeah. made the decision. <laughs> uh, this is worth the technical. That's you, you. I love that. You know, you love when you see those coaches and you're like, yes, you love to see them going to battle for their players. This and everything. I feel like every time they pan to this man on the sideline, he was losing <laughs> all of his shit. Like he was completely. And I, I, again, I'm, I'm for it in certain situations, but for an entire game, just completely going insane, I think that goes right to what you were saying about just how kind of dysfunctional this whole team is from the top down. And you saw them. I mean, the first half, they played really well, and then it just slowly started to trickle away and, and fall apart. And you saw yep. that kind of explode more and more, and you see why they're not a winning football team. But, I, I mean, the Eagles are at least less dysfunctional than that. Absolutely. We don't right. have to the same conversation as the Jets. Thank God. There were uh, yes. two weeks during the season where we thought we would have to be put in that conversation with like the Texans, the Jets, the Jags. And I was like, oh, no, but we don't. It's fine. That's probably the biggest victory across the board for us as fans this year. Right? Is that our team is not at the bottom, like the total bottom. And yep. it's wild. Like the Lions Still, before today, they had a one, and I think in, in like a hundred thousand, or maybe it was like a million chance of making the playoffs. They were still technically involved in this NFC, and it just shows you just how why I think what two teams officially are out. So, still, now granted, the Vikings' loss helps exponentially, as you mentioned here, for the Eagles just in the position that they're in, but it's great because I think regardless of what happens with the Eagles, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I wasn't truly in favor of adding that wild card when it happened, but there's a really cool incentive now for this Eagles team who at six and seven in most years would probably still be dead this late in the season as far as playoff hopes. But look, if it means Devontae Smith gets an extra grab for a touchdown, or if it means that Dallas Goddard gets an extra grab, if it means the offense is extra aggressive or Jalen Hurts is, if it means that they're trying an extra little bit more than they would if they were dead week 13, 15, what have you, that I'm all for it. Even if it doesn't mean, right, Jess, that they make the playoffs, it's a really cool incentive like that, that right. hook on the bait to kind of keep you moving. And not only for them, I mean, for us as fans who, who, knowing what kind of year this really could have been and was sort of supposed to be the fact that we're still able to see and, and enjoy and cheer for meaningful football, you know, it's, it's, it's nice thinking, you know, because even last, I mean, last year was brutal in so many different ways, but at the end of the day, the Eagles were still in it until, you know, mid to late December. 
they, you know, they gave us as, as, as awful as it was. And as much as it broke us down, they, you know, they were still in the mix technically until, you know, late in the season. But again, there's still things about this year that give you hope going forward, give you some positivity going forward. You like what you see from some of these younger players. You're excited about what they could bring in the future. But I also think, you know, it's great for us as fans, but there's also that other aspect of like expecting more than I think we should at this point and having higher expectations than should be placed on a team that has so many new parts and is still learning and still, you know, getting better or not every week. So it it it's fun still and it's exciting to see that competitiveness come out of the team, but it also it like <laughs> it, there's an interesting balance between you know, we talked about it after week one, like we were all so excited just to see something good. And then it just went so far downhill. We got our hopes up so high that it all just, it all just went to shit. Yep. Yep. Now there's a bye week here. There's a question from Pat that I want to get to Patrick on the chat in a second, because it's going to open up the conversation on the defense. And I was purposely trying to delay the inevitable because I, I have a feeling that you and I are going to share a very same similar sentiment when it comes to watching this defense today, as we kind of had all year. Yeah. But you mentioned Jason Kelsey, Miles Sanders. There's some pretty big injuries right now that we don't know moving forward. I think the bye week is huge, clearly. But you know, Sanders just doesn't seem like it's his even like 120 yards. He finally starts to cook on the ground and he gets hurt. Jason Kelsey, on the other hand, that could be a big one if he if he does miss time because he's the Embiid, if you will, of this offense. Yeah. So those are the two big ones. And Nelson, we also have to keep an eye on right on defense. Anybody else I'm missing? Patrick Johnson got hurt too. Patrick Johnson, yep. But I don't know how many snaps he typically plays. He's more of a, a primarily a special teams individual. Is it bad no. that I didn't really realize the difference between Steven Nelson and Zach McPherson? In no. The no. I, I, I think that there were a couple of plays all year you could point to and say, okay, the, like if you had a body of work, then I would say it's not bad, but yeah, maybe maybe you would have picked up a player too. In this game, no, no, no. More liability. <laughs> Just like what? Okay, this is the Patrick's question because this is going to open up everything. Very happy for the win, and I think Patrick represents a lot of us. First off, is that stat right by ninety-one LSXRS that Barrios is more return yardage today than Rager all year? I would because be I can't. Surprised. I wouldn't be either. I'm sorry. I just had to bring that up because I'm, my goodness, if that's true. I'll look. I'll try to figure that out while okay. we're having this defense conversation. <laughs> Patrick, very happy for the win. But the defense playing soft, very concerning. Do we still win if Hertz is in? Well, the answer to the last part, yes. And I would say, look, if you win with Minshew, you'll win with Hertz. Just because at this point, Hertz is the better football player. You can out there make all the arguments you want about pass or this, pass or that. But the question about the defense playing soft, very concerning. And I'm just going to ask you, Jess, what the hell is going on? Why, why are we dealing with this again? And it didn't feel like the Jets were close, but it's like when you're playing your younger sibling and you've got like 10 years on them and you're just backing them, down, whatever athletic sport there is, and all of a sudden you just let up. 
And it's like, you could have crushed them. You could have beat your little brother or sister by 50 in the backyard. And all and it's it's maddening when it's a professional scenario like that. I don't understand what's going on with this defense and why, once again, we're having this conversation. It didn't impact the end of the game, but granted, the Jets are one of the worst teams in the NFL. Um, I think, well, I think to start, uh, let's not totally rail on the defense to open the game because they did give up a massive 90 yard kick return to start. So backs against the wall to open. So that one fine going forward for the rest of the first half, the jets only had, I think it was two incompletions. I think going into halftime, Zach Wilson was something like 13 for 15 or 12 for 14. It looked like it was going to be another 80% completion performance allowed by the Philadelphia Eagles defense. And for a team that is as bad as the Jets, there is no, it's the same conversation we've been having all year. Patience with the offense is one thing in a, a young quarterback, young talent, a rookie head coach, all trying to figure it out and put it together. While I understand that Jonathan Gannon is in his first year as the Eagles defensive coordinator, there are too many veterans on that defense to play as horrific as they play at times. There are too many people and too much money being put into what that defense is doing for them to be as bad as they are. Missing tackles. Guys are just, I mean, it's the Jets for Christ's sake. There are guys <laughs> just wide open. In the, that's that second touchdown. <laughs> the one that they got, uh, they, they miss. I think, I don't even know. I can't even remember back this far. Who it was. It was like someone was wide open in the back of the end zone. It went right off his hands. They literally ran the same play again and scored. And the person was still wide open. It was a different player. They ran it with different personnel. But it was the same route combination. And he was still equally as open in the back of the end zone. Things like that should not be happening when you are led by a combo of some veterans that have extreme like that are very well respected in the NFL and I understand that some of it is scheme and they're you know mm. whatever but at this point it's very 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 exhausting to just keep having the same conversation because you are not getting nearly what you should be out of your veterans that you are pegging like veterans you're getting more out of Devonte Smith as a corner when the quarterback's about to throw an interception, then you are out of Steven Nelson most weeks. That's the problem I have. So the fact that we had to go back and forth with the New York Jets for an entire half of football is still unacceptable to me. And I know it was only 18 points. The Eagles still put up 30, blah, blah, blah. I understand that. But watching it and watching them just go up and down the field for two quarters is just unacceptable for a team that is as bad as they are and showed you how bad they are in the second half. And I'll give them credit for making the adjustments in the second half as well. But the fact that you have to make adjustments for the Jets. Right. Doesn't make sense. Uh, to the to the point about Jalen Rager. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh, that is true. More <laughs> return yards today than Rager all season. Oh, <sighs> 
Rager I, has 128 return yards on the season, 139 for that dude today. I wish Jalen well next year, Detroit. That's all I'll say. I can't. I just uh, it's one thing if you're not catching footballs as a wide receiver when you've been relegated to a returner, you can't even do that. Oh my goodness. All right, let's get back to the defense. Yes, Your thoughts on the defense. So here's here's where I, I think I agree with you, and I'll, I'll push it because it's a little frustrating to me. This Jets team is so bad that a lot of their productivity on offense comes in the second half because they're down. And mm-hmm. you see that where it's not just the Eagles defense that goes a little soft. It's just natural. Sure. Here's the difference, though. Outside of that kick return, and look, it's still the Jets' offense. The Jets' offense is so bad that they're down big in the at the first half because they can't do shit against most, if not all, defenses outside of like the Houston Texans last week. So this is where I get frustrated, which is, you're right, they had to make adjustments in the second half. They should never have had to make adjustments in the second half. But you should be able to hold an offense this bad to more field goals in the first half than touchdowns. You should be able to bend, but not break. And I get what you're saying, which is, Hey, you know, Barrios really put that defense in a bad spot, but I think that's where coaching really comes in. That's where you step in right. away. Once the game goes on, you may make an adjustment or two, but you're basically putting slay out there and say, make plays. You're basically asking your defensive front, especially if you're not blitzing to get out there and make plays because they're better than the jets offensive line. Just felt like the defense needed some sort of rudder, some sort of stability. And you can't ask a cornerback. You can't ask a defensive lineman to come in and be that it has to be collectively from, from the sidelines. And I just feel I hate to say this because I know they win. I don't want to sound negative as a whole, but it just felt like Jonathan Gannon more often than not, not entirely more often than not keeps getting bailed out because he has talent on that defense and 33, 18 to the jets is like, you know, 33, 30 to the giants or, or something along those lines, better offense, not the giants, but you know, a better offense. And we see this when they go up against better teams. It's just frustrating. It's just very frustrating to see the Jets come out like that and not stop and not be stopped and not really suffer any type of resistance. It's just difficult as a whole. Yeah. And it's it's something that you have less patience for when, you know, it's it's guys who should be able to to make plays regardless and you're you're exactly right and and you know it, it looked like they didn't even realize the game started no one told them that that was real it was just for you got to get off the bus in yeah. order for the game to start it, that's the thing it's just they, they there's not enough pressure they don't you know they they aren't making enough plays like they they it just it's a very frustrating year, week in and week out, to watch the defense. And I understand that there are guys that are doing their job. You know, Marcus Epps today coming up with an interception to make the ultimate, you know, the grand scheme of the defense today look better than it actually was is things like that. And I get that. And the way that Darius Slay has played throughout the season at an all pro level, it, it yep. takes a lot of the heat off Jonathan Gannon. But I, I, I I don't think it should be. I think he's been completely abysmal this year. I mean, he has been horrific. It's been bad. More often than not, you see a lot of 
chat comments here that Rachel is cycling through that says he's got to go. He's got to go. I don't think it's going to happen. The soft defense, not good with. There is one that's a little more counter to this. So let's bring this up because we appreciate all, as long as they're well thought out, comments here on the chat. Chris Clark, got to give Gannon credit for switching up game plan for this D when the D players are performing the opposite of what is expected from them. I don't think that you're 100% wrong, Chris, but I feel like I disagree a little more than I would agree with that. And I think it goes back to where you are in the game, where who you're adjusting to and the circumstances that have forced you to adjust. If we're talking about the Bucks, if we're talking about you know a high-powered off the Dallas Cowboys when they're on, right? A team like that, and you've prepared, you look like you've prepared, but it's just talent is beating you, then I think adjustments are huge. It's, it's the NFL. It's a lot of times how coaches get around not having as much talent is adjusting their scheme. So we can't knock Gannon for not making the adjustment, but I go back to Jess's point, which is why are you once again looking like you either have no idea what you're doing or you haven't gotten off the bus or you're just waiting for talent to fit to save you. All right, Slay, make a play. All right, Cox, make a play. Singleton, Edwards, whoever it is, make a play. And that's the thing. Is he even are, are they just doing that because they realize that he's an idiot? Because I doubt he's like, oh man, I really have this one up. Could you go out there and make a play and save my ass today? No, that conversation's <laughs> not happening on the sideline. They're just going out there and trying to make plays. And it it's in turn like sort of kind of taking him off the hook. But again, going back to my other point, like why do you have to make adjustments for the New York Jets? Why are you not prepared to fully handle the New York Jets? They're not good. They're a really bad football team. Why are you letting up all of these points in the first half and having to make adjustments because you're letting up too many points and you are quite literally going score for score with the Jets. Right. That's bad in itself. Like, again, that's fireable in itself. That you had to make adjustments because you weren't adequately prepared for the New York Jets. I, I think, you know, you and I have been on point. I think, personally, I think on point because we agree on this. But we've been lockstep is what I meant to say yeah. here on this whole thing. And I feel like... Gannon is the is, he's the straggler, right? There's enough that we've seen. Like we're still looking at Sirianni with kind of one maybe raised eyebrow. Like okay, you know, at some point let's let Gannon's like holy shit, why are we still dealing? And you just saw this against the Giants where they played well enough, right? They played well enough. I, I think clearly out there, be it scheme or defense, to shut down a bad Giants offense. Why can't you sustain that week in and week out? That's my question. Like, what's preventing you? You just did it against an equally bad offense. And we asked, you know, which one is it? And granted, maybe when you go back up against a better, if the Rams are in town, a team like that, okay, I get it. Then you really need to do some things to adjust and really get down to it. But this was gift wrapped for you. And it was the same location on top of that. Right. It's And that's the thing. You know, both sides of the football can't show up in the same game. And, you know, it just seems like they're not on the same page. And and you're you're right. Like, again, and I'm just kind of at that, like, I've seen enough. Like, if you can't figure it out with a group of 
guys that are at the top of their position group, you're not going to be able to figure it out with anybody else. Howie Roseman decides to to draft in April. You're not going to magically figure this out. Uh, I, I mean, it, this is absolutely true. I mean, I haven't seen a defense this bad since Juan Castillo, and Juan Castillo was an offensive line coach. I, I haven't. Like this is one of the worst defenses I think I've seen in my 26 years of life. Uh, who is I blacked him out? Who is the guy that the poor guy who was just circumstantial that he was here as Chip Kelly's DC? God, why am I blanking on his name? He Juan, wasn't a terrible, was it? Was it Juan or was someone got fired and Juan Castillo had to step in? Wasn't that what happened? No, this was under Chip. Yeah, no, Juan so, Castillo was under Chip, wasn't he? I thought that was the Andy Reid move to prevent the scapegoat firing. Wait a second. Was was Juan Castillo? See, now I have to go back and look at this. Was he the offensive coordinator for year one? I thought it was. Was it Billy David? What Billy Davis? Billy Davis. What the hell is that guy? Right. Oh, you're right. You know what? He was the DC from 2011 to 2012. So the offensive line coach still, and then he was moved over to the defensive coordinator 20, 2011 to 2012 for the Philadelphia Eagles. Wow. And then it was Billy oh. Davis, right? Now, okay, Billy so, Davis. Juan Castillo was the defensive coordinator in 11 and 12, and Andy got fired the end of 12. Correct. So then Chip comes in and brings in his guy, Billy Davis, and it was essentially Billy Davis was there because Chip was like, all right, we're going to run, 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 speed, speed, speed. All we care about is possessions. If we burn out three and out, it doesn't matter. We're going to get more possessions. And Billy Davis was like, yo, uh, that's going to impact us on the defense. Yeah. I honestly bring Billy Davis back, bring Billy Mays back from beyond the grave. Oh Oh my God. I just, yeah. I mean, this quite literally is one of the worst defenses that I've seen. And we've seen some bad ones, but this is the one this, I I can't, I, I mean, how inconsistent they are and how bad they are. And even going back to last week, like I know they still held them to 13 points, but they, they were doing the same thing. Like, Longer third downs, guys are running completely open, and the soft coverage, leaving not getting any hits on Daniel Jones, no sacks on Daniel Jones. He's running all over you as well. He's he's diamond left and right, and we talked about it. He's a turnover machine, and you couldn't turn that you couldn't turn him over at all. So, while yes, they only scored thirteen points, I think that they're just that incompetent. Not the Eagles' defense actually doing their job more so. And and I think you, there were some people that really disagreed with our discussion of that last week. But I, I, based on watching the first half, especially this week, I completely hold firm at that point that it's these offenses shooting themselves in the foot and just being incompetent and not being able to score points more than it is the Eagles defense doing anything to impact them at all. I could buy that. I, I think, you know, and. Rachelle, I'm sure, has some tweets here that I would imagine more positive than not. But again, the defense, the soft defense, we've seen a bunch of people on the chat. So I'm sure people are are sliding that in there. But really, I fear asking this because I imagine that there are going to be some people who have inserted the quarterback controversy narrative into Twitter. Real quick, to just to wrap up what you were saying, I think just as a big picture takeaway from me, Nothing really changed this week. 
And that's a good sign for the offense because you swapped in a quarterback and you wanted to see how things were. Nothing changed there. And nothing really changed on the defense either, which is frustrating because we've been asking for them to be less soft, more aggressive, things along those lines. So that, I think, for me at least, wraps up, encapsulates kind of what you were saying, Jess, on this yeah, week. 100%. All right, Rachelle, hit us hit us with it. Let us have it. How bad was the quarterback controversy stuff? That's that's what majority I'm seeing so far. Oh. Uh, pretty much they're calling for it. Like, are we riding this wave or are we sticking with Minshew? Everything is about the stash. Even BLG weighed in. He said, my mom wanted to weigh in, play the stash. So shout out to BLG for getting in what? on the Pittsburgh reactions. But that's what I'm seeing. Some people are like, please don't overreact, which, you know, that's that's important too. But ride the stash, quarterback factory, passing quarterbacks win. Minshew or Hurts. A lot of it is definitely surrounding Minshew. So, so let me ask you a quick question, both of you, please. How much do you think this is changing or how much do you think the reaction is different if last week Jalen Hurts doesn't throw the picks and the offense looked decent, not even amazing, but just okay. And they win that game 27 to 10. I don't think we're having this conversation. I think people are just, they want, they want to just get through this week because it would have been a third straight win. They would have kept the rational piece would be a little bit more in front of the brain because they would have had third straight win. Jalen Hurts doing his thing. If you, I mean, if if you if you go with, you know, the three interceptions don't happen and it's a better played game and they handedly beat the Giants and it all just goes as it should have. Third straight win. They roll into this week. He's hurt. They keep that same game plan that they did anyway, 20 to 25 passing attempts, 40 rushing attempts, and go handle the New York Jets, get into the bye. I don't think we're – I think there's going to be some stragglers because it's what people love to do, and those people are idiots, that would be popping up out of the woodwork just being like, oh, Gardner Minshew, play him forever. Give him the $120 million. There would be <laughs> those people, but it wouldn't nearly be as, as much of a – as much of it is right now, unfortunately. I agree. I agree. It's a shame because it's just, it's a stupid conversation. Yeah. It is. It really is. Is there, you did say though that there were people that were saying relax, right? And be patient. So you, did you get some people. balance? There were a lot of people who were just like, it's the Jets. Like, what do you expect? Like, we Thank you. won this game. So, okay, next. Um, and a couple of people, like I said, don't overreact about this, but there are the ones who are like, all right, you know, it's Minshew mania time. He's the better passer, better quarterbacks win. So there's a little bit of a balance, but majority is definitely about Minshew. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know how to get around that. I, and I think this is something that Jess has brought up a couple of weeks back and it's, it's just been so consistent here which is it seems like there are certain there, there's a certain base within our base that no matter what they see, they're convinced that Jalen Hurts is not the starting quarterback moving forward. And if you don't want Jalen Hurts moving forward, I'll meet you a quarter of the way. If you don't want Jalen Hurts moving forward, save me on it's Gardner Minshew or anybody that bring in Deshaun Watt, who I personally don't want, but bring in Russell Wilson, who's probably cooked, bring in Aaron Rodgers, you know, make an attempt to bring in somebody who has 
skill set and a resume. Don't sell me on this bullshit of Spencer Rattler or Gardner Minshew or anybody else like that. Really do your homework and bring something legit. Don't just be there and, and downplay what Hurts is. I actually, did you watch the uh, Pitt-Wake Forest game at all last night? Oh, yeah. I, as somebody who was riding the under in that, absolutely. <laughs> I was sitting there watching, thinking to myself, oh, somewhere Howie Roseman's in a room alone watching this, just getting too <laughs> excited. And I had yep. to off because that's all that I could think about. But I, I'm, I, Aton, I'm completely with you on that. Like, if you're not convinced Jalen Hurts is the guy going forward, please, please use your last brain cell on realizing that Gardner Minshew is not the answer to the problem. Okay. I could understand last year if you thought Jalen Hurts was the answer to the problem going forward. Nobody was an answer to that problem last year. It didn't matter who it was. There were too many problems. No one was the answer. Joe Montana would not be the answer to that problem last year. It was just such, such a shit show yep. within the organization. But I could understand that. The Gardner Minshew thing just doesn't make sense. But again, you still go back to those things that Jalen Hurts has that you just can't hand select and can't coach. I don't know if you, I mean, if you guys noticed, but like when Miles Sanders went down, did you notice who helped carry him across the sideline? Mm. It was a trainer in Jalen Hurts. Like mm. it's yep. just those things that you just, I get it. I understand some of the frustrations with his with his play here and there, but there are just things that you don't know if you're just going to be able to find anywhere. Yeah. Did you guys see the um, interview that Doug Peterson did when he was talking about Jalen Hurts? John Clark. Uh, yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I think that's what he he was talking about the fact that this is a young quarterback. We're gonna see these mistakes, and part of it is coaching him out of it. Over time, you want to see less and less of them. But just like with Jalen Hurts, look at these young quarterbacks we're talking about in college. They're gonna none of them are spectacular. So if we bring right. them on, their projects just like Jalen Hurts is a project quarterback. He's not where we want him to be. But you're not getting your perfect answer either way. Either you stick it out with Jalen Hurts, or you look at these young uh, quarterbacks, and you still got to be patient with them as well because they're not, you know, doing anything better than he is. Look at what Trevor Lawrence yeah. is doing. Look at Zach Wilson. Look at Trey Lance. Look at any of these young quarterbacks that just came out of the draft and that are essentially in their first full season, as is Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is playing better than all of them. You know what I mean? And I understand he had a couple games last year as well. But, you know, either you're going to have growing pains no matter what quarterback you bring in, especially if you're bringing a young quarterback in. And, you know, Doug Peterson's right. And and the point that he made about you got to coach him through it, it's still, you know, people that are coaching Jalen Hurts through it. I still, that that concerns me. But I don't know. That man, Doug Peterson, really just does have a way of calming me down. I would trust that man with my Amazing. life. I still would. They could fire Nick Sirianni and say we're bringing Doug Peterson back, and I would be like, let's go. Can I do you one better? Sure. How about they fire Howie Roseman and bring Doug Peterson in to run the team? I don't even know how I would react. <laughs> that because would be now like at least you get the press conferences. Thing. You get that calming. Duh. He's just going to be loving on everybody in the building. 
And he knows his shit, Jess. Like we, we know now, he knows his shit. Snake man running around and leaking shit to Chris Mortensen and Adam Schefter <laughs> on Sunday mornings before the games start. My uh, God. Yes. The, yes. Little, the little leaks left and right. That that was what really got me last year. I was like, yo, this man needs to stop. <laughs> it's oh. amazing. It's like, oh, wait, we haven't had a leak in a week or so. Can uh, go, go ahead. Text is more. It, text is more. everyone okay? Is everyone <laughs> right, Exactly. All right. Before we get out of here, let's have some fun. We're off next week. So it's a yes. bye week next week. And the Vikings did this. Don't blame me. The Vikings did this. All right. Let's start. Rachelle, Jess, yes. I'll add 10 seconds of my own two cents here. All right. Do the Philadelphia Eagles make the playoffs? Yes or no? Rachelle. Yes. They do. I'm confident they're going to make it. I think they can. I just, let's have fun. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I'm not going to ruin the day. Yes, they'll make the playoffs. All right. There you go. We're three for three. <laughs> Thanks oh. to everybody for hanging with us. By all means, hit that thumbs up button, please. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe as well to the BGN radio uh, channel here. We'll be back in two weeks. So no show on the bye week. Tony, I think people more in love with how likable Hertz is over his play. Uh, I would go back and look at some of the clips of his highlights this year and, and look how instrumental he's been different means to the same end. I don't care if you're rushing for 150 yards or you're throwing for 300 yards. If you're winning games, you're winning games. And, and let me just say this. I know I said, we'll get out of here, but you know, to the point that we've all been talking about Jalen hurts, wasn't benched. Jalen hurts. Wasn't playing so bad that the team was rolling their eyes like shit. Can we have somebody else in here? I would bet money, and I know I lost some today on that Lions game, but I would bet money that the entire locker room is happy today for a win, not like what we saw last year where there may be a schism or so, and it's like people start whispering, is this the Who in their right mind on this team, Jess, Rachel, Rachel, Jess, is thinking, oh, shit, we got to get Gardner in there after what they've seen all year from Jalen Hurts. It doesn't compute in my brain. I'm sorry. No, it doesn't. It doesn't, I, and I, I just think that – especially the way that this team has spoken about Jalen Hurts, that that's that wasn't a bunch of crap that they were just trying to feed. And that's not going to be changing by a, you know, 25 pass performance, pass play performance against the New York Jets. And I will say, I think it's also a good feeling to know that your backup quarterback, I mean, we are playing the Jets, so I mean, that's something to think about as well, but can come in and hold it down. Like you have as much confidence in him. So that's a good thing. I think the team is just in a good place right now. It seems like good vibes. So did what he had to do. I'm happy. For him. Good vibes. It. That's the theme. Yeah. Good vibes. yeah. <laughs> Love it. All right. On that note, we'll end on some good vibes here. Wish you all a great week. Wish you all a great, happy, healthy, productive bye week. And we'll see you in two weeks. Thanks again for rocking with us.